Welcome to episode 93 of Dads in the Crypt, the Tales of the Crypt podcast. My name is Jason. Tonight, I'm joined by Mondo. Hello. Hello. Jody may or may not show up. He's got some teen drama going on at home. But tonight, we are joined by Freddie from Knights of the Living podcast. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. I'm a huge fan of Tales from the Crypt, so this Ooh. is exciting for me. I'm pumped. Excellent. So uh, tell us about Night Living podcast. Um, We were talking about this actually uh, just before we started, but uh, we started back in 2006, in April of 2006. So we just celebrated 17 years, which is hard to believe. Yeah. Thank you. It's so nuts to think it's been going that long because it was a lark. It was one of those things. I was a a failed musician. I had a bunch of gear and podcasts were a relatively new idea at all. You know, there was only a handful of, of podcasts that were not about like computer stuff you know what i mean like Mm. it was right when people first started saying we could do other shows it's about things that aren't just computer stuff and put it on an rss feed and um my wife was a big fan of this show called keith and the girl which is a comedy show where they interview stand-ups in new york and it's hosted by two former party clowns and uh it's so fun if they're still doing it too and um That sounds cool. Oh, you should check it out. It's great. They have great guests. Um, They have a lot of personality. They're very, very New York. Um, Even Keith, who's from Pennsylvania, ironically, you would never guess he's not a native New Yorker when you hear him talk. But um, they're hilarious. They were an inspiration because, like, we just heard how much fun they were having. And my wife was like, we should do a podcast with all that gear because I was actually on my way to sell a lot of this stuff. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe we'll try it out. And uh, and we were like, what do we do, though? Like, what do we even talk about? And we we're like, well, what's something that all of our friends have in common? Because we'd want to bring our friends on and hang out and talk. And we were like, horror movies is the one thing we all have in common. We're all huge horror fans. And uh, we were like, well, that's it. And Amy uh, came up, uh, you know, with that basic concept. So she really birthed that. And at the time, there was only one other horror podcast uh, called Pickled Embryo that that I knew of. And and then there was the Infested Sound, which was a couple of guys that worked at Arby's, That's which cool. was great. <laughs> yeah, it was a great, but I was actually more interested half the time when they were talking about like what a shitty shift they had at Arby's, you know? That's funny. I used to work at Arby's back in high school. Really? Yeah. And uh, it's so funny. But yeah, man, there was like those early days, it was just a handful. So literally everybody got to kind of at least was aware of who each other was, you know what I mean? Cause it was like literally like a dozen people total that were doing anything with horror podcasting. And, um, and from there, like we've, I've watched, you know, like the relevance, of course, back then when you're the only game in town, like you get a bunch of listeners and stuff, but who, whoever the tech savvy horror fans are would find you. So we had this huge listenership, but now there's like a thousand horror podcasts. So, you know, it gets diluted, but you know what? I wouldn't, Want it? I wouldn't want it the other way around. I love th- that there's so many out there and that people are just having fun talking about this stuff. So it's it's been really really cool to watch all this stuff explode. 
Nice. I, I think in a roundabout way, it's kind of fun because uh, Bloody Good Horror was the first horror podcast I discovered because I was working for Apple and just wanted something to listen to on the bus. And I was getting the podcast. And I'm like, I'm, I'm a pro wrestling geek, as everyone who listens to the show knows. And uh, I was I was listening to pro wrestling podcasts. I'm like, oh, I also love horror. There has to be horror podcasts. Um, but I think it's kind of funny because I think they got started because they heard you guys. And we got started because of them. So it's kind of like that lineage, which is really right. cool. And um, I've definitely listened to you guys before. And your, your podcast is fantastic. Oh, mm-hmm. thanks, man. I, I, uh, it's like became like it replaced, I think, what for religious people, like having church or whatever, that idea of just a place you go every week. Yeah. That's like, you know, where you see and talk to people that, you know, are, you feel like are really kind of are in your community. And the horror community is the best. Yeah, it's that Cheers vibe. (laughs) I love that. I mean, not to say that every horror podcaster I've met over the years has been cool. Like 99% of them have been easy right from the get-go, instant, like instantly get along. So it's a community I've always, you know, getting into it, it became home uh, in a way that I thought it was just going to be like a random goof, you know, that a few of our (laughs) friends would hear it. And then it really became a sense of home being a part of it. You know, Tell I, me about your uh, Tales from the Crypt fandom. Oh, this goes back to like before I had HBO, my cousin who lived up the street from me had HBO and I could get up there and see episodes of Tales from the Crypt. And um, just to me per- as a kid, the perfect show, like I, I had already, you know, experienced like Twilight Zones with my dad and in uh, some episodes of The Outer Limits, the old, these, the original like 60s black and white series. And uh to get to the point where <laughs> where there was something like that, but it was so much more crass in like a great way. Like, so, it, you know, it kind of was like this, uh, it reminded me a lot of, I, I kind of feel like the vibe of Tales from the Dark Side, that sort of like irreverence mm-hmm. I really love. And I love that, like, it had that retro that I didn't quite understand yet as a kid, but like I understood it from, in as much as like how that retro vibe was turning up in like movies like back to the future and stand by me where you're, they were looking back at the fifties and sixties, the way, you know, kids are looking back at the eighties and nineties now. And, uh, I know, I know that there was something about that combination of that era through the lens of the eighties, like the era of the fifties and sixties, looking back through the lens of the eighties and recreating these stories, but doing it, in so much 80s excess and bad taste and all of that, <laughs> that's what I love that. I love that so much. But I'm a mega crypt fan. I've watched every episode of this show several times. I, it's even the bad ones I like. <laughs> you have a favorite? Yeah. Uh, Fitting Punishments, my absolute mm, favorite. Yeah. Um, I thought that was really terrifying. Um, I'm a huge fan of the comic too. Yeah. So, like, the thing from the grave that. Mm was such like watching Bernie Wrights and stuff come to life, you know? So like that one and Miguel Ferrer is so good in that. Um, Terry Hatcher. Yeah. And Terry Hatcher cutting cards is a favorite. Cards, yeah. yeah. That might be my favorite. It, it, well, yeah. It depends on the whole episode. That might be my favorite. Yeah. It's, I'm the same way. It depends on what I'm in the mood. If I'm in the mood to see a really great performance, uh, like someone, an episode like cutting cards would be it. But if I'm like in an effects mood, I would rather see something like like the thing from the graves. Um, so so like uh, I think besides fitting punishment, my all my almost tied for all time favorite is uh, 
what was it called? It's the one with Morton Downey Jr. Oh, um, television, television Terror. Yeah, yeah. That's a great that's one. A, that, that, that one was kind of ahead of its time. Kind of really ahead yeah. of its time with what it was doing with like the whole meta thing. And uh, I'd like love yeah. that episode. Yeah, like, and I hadn't seen, at that point, I hadn't seen Ghost Watch, which is the mm-hmm. BBC. They're kind of War of the Worlds for 80s Halloween kids, right? Like, <laughs> I hadn't seen it at that point. So that, and now when I go back and I, those two, I'm like, oh, this is the same idea that you have this reality show where shit gets real. You know, yes. like this whole concept <laughs> yeah. of and it for it to be Morton Downey Jr., a face I knew from trash TV already, because that's all we watched growing up was just garbage all the time. <laughs> and uh that's easy so, TV all encapsulated. Yeah. So more to see him come into a Tales from the Crypt episode in your like 10, 11 year old brain, it like gives it some sort of realism, you know, mm-hmm. it makes it scarier somehow, oh, even yeah, though that's a really scary one. Yeah, but as an adult, you're like, this is so if I were an adult knowing Morton Downey Jr. and was sitting down to watch Tales from the Crypt, I would, it would, you would be laughing. You, the comedy was lost on, on me a lot of the time because I always was terrified of it. Well, yeah. But that's well, why I loved it. Well, Haunted that's House like stuff good, always gets That's me. a lot of good TV is like you can get on different levels. Like there's meta humor you can get from a, as an adult, as a kid, you can get, get the horror and then, you know, it's, it's very layered, which is always good. Man, it's is, fantastic. Is yeah. there still trash TV on during the days? Like, if kids have to stay home from school, can they still watch like Price is Right and see they who the father yeah. is on more YouTube? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you can still see Price is Right. Uh, I think the new trash TV are judge shows, though, for the most part. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember yeah. on um, Amazon they had a judge show with one of the Buseys. Oh my! Really? And, Not, was it? Not Gary Busey? It might have been Gary Busey, but somehow, even with this wild cast of characters, it was like the most boring thing I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) (laughs) That's a disappointment. All right. Well, let's hop into it. Tonight, we're talking season six, episode 13. This is Comes the Dawn. Uh, This came out on January 11th, 1995. Mondo, you get the honor. The privilege of doing the plot synopsis. Yeah, so Jody's house smells like Teen Spirit right now, and he's uh he's dealing with some <laughs> some teen issues. I, I wanted to work that in so bad, and I'll, I'll even like Nirvana, but uh, um, so I, I, I I'm taking this recap off of a TV, TV tropes dot uh, com, so or TV yeah TV tropes dot org, so I cannot be credited for the recap. Um, but here we go. Um, Colonel Thomas Parker, played by Michael Ironside and Sergeant Burroughs, veterans of Operation Desert Storm, arrive at a bar in rural Alaska during a brutal snowstorm. Snowstorm. When they express an interest in doing some illegal big game hunting, Mona, the bartender, calls the sheriff's office to turn them in, prompting Burroughs to kill her. The two men try to enlist Mona's ex-girlfriend, uh, Jerry, who's a former game warden, as a hunting guide. Jerry turns them down. But Parker notices a Purple Heart medal pinned to a teddy bear in her room. It's a weird place for a Purple Heart, I'm just saying. But it's okay. (laughs) Uh, Playing on her status as a fellow veteran of Desert Storm to secure her help. Uh, Jerry takes Parker and Burroughs to an abandoned weather station that grizzly bears have started using as a hibernation site. She explains that the building had been boarded up after children in the area suddenly started disappearing. As Parker scouts the area, Jerry learns from Burroughs that the two men are trafficking in black market animal parts. I think they all also offer like $100 to help yeah. her out, which uh, is like, uh, dude, like who's going to try to hunt a grizzly bear for $100? But she agrees. <laughs> like, <laughs> you couldn't get Steve-O to do that. Well, right? um, 
there used to be a a, a thing where a, a friend, a guy I work with, is an ex marine. They used to go to Alaska once a year to hunt polar bears. To hunt them in this group, you had to hunt them with hunting knives. You couldn't use guns. And I was like, "How the fuck are you going to kill a polar bear?" He goes, "Oh no, we just go up there and pretend like we're going to hunt. We just hang on a cabin and get drunk for three days. The, the, the hunting part is a joke. That's what they tell their wives and, and everybody else. We're going to hunt polar bears. But it was a real excursion. They pay money to go to. It was basically a guy renting his cabin out, and the joke was for hunting uh, purposes because that way it's a business expenditure. But anyhow, <laughs> it's a lot less depressing for the Coca Cola fan set too. Yes, You're right. <laughs> but it's crazy. Those polar bears are like the most vicious bears in the world because all they do is eat meat. They don't eat. They don't forage at all. So if they see you in how, like, why would you ever be that close to a polar bear? But they see you, you're pretty much dead. It's going to kill you. Uh, They're a scary bear. The terrifying video on YouTube of a guy who basically was put into a bear-proof glass encasement, and these polar bears are trying to get in. Oof. And I, I, I get you're in this case that's been tested, but I don't. I would not have the nerve to do that. I'm just saying. It's crazy you should say that because when I was a kid, I had nightmares about falling into the polar bear exhibit. Our zoo. Wow. Yeah, and it's because I couldn't get out. Like the sides were like slick, you know. And I was yeah. just like, I had nightmares about that. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, I, I, scary. I, I wonder, like, because everyone always says your dreams have hidden meaning. I wonder what the hidden meaning in that mm. would be. Because because sometimes I've had a dream and like, okay, that makes sense. Other times I'm like, what what the fuck was that? Like I had to. I'm trying to build a doghouse with someone I haven't met and I haven't seen in 25 years. Like, what does this mean? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm just scared of polar bears. I don't think there was any super deep meaning. Valid, I mean, there could be, but I think it was fear. just that. No, they're, like yeah, ter- it, yeah, they're terrifying, but I would cuddle the shit out of a cub. I'm just going to say like those right, are so, same. so cute. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm the same way. Like I, I'll play with like dangerous animals when they're babies. I've, I've actually, I've been lucky. I've gotten to play with like a lion cub oh. when I was a little kid because we had a neighbor who was dating an exotic animal trainer, which I'm sure it was like unethical as hell what he was doing. <laughs> Tiger King. Yeah, that's what I think about now when I think back on it. But then it was really cool. Like it was, it was like it was like playing with a dog. It was on on their front lawn. It was crazy. It's so white trash. I'm su- I'm super jealous. Super jealous. Yeah, it was cool. It was a nice memory. All I want to do is pet a small bear cub and an otter. Both, but not the same yeah. time. That'd be weird if they're the same area together. But <laughs> <laughs> all right, bears and otters hang out together. Do they? Like maybe, maybe they well, do. I don't I know. Mean, <laughs> when they're little, I, I've been to a lot of gay bars with friends, <laughs> and I always see bears and otters <laughs> hanging out together. Okay, I got to pause this now because I know the term bear, uh, which is like if, if anybody wonders what a bear is, just watch a YouTube video and look at Jason. And uh, <laughs> I'm not saying he is a bear. He has the characteristics of what a what a bear would be. Um, what is, right. What is an otter? Comment. Oh, otters just I think uh, a smaller bear. Oh, okay. Like uh in as far as the the slang goes for the look, I think it's just a slimmer bear, I think. I'm not sure. I'm out of I'm out of touch cuz uh I don't want to uh, google this. I haven't been around so the you know, I haven't been out of my house in so long. And uh and I can't keep up with the ever changing terminology out there. Huh, I never young people. All right. Yeah. Yeah. See, Let's the, get back to the plot. This part with Jason. There's Jason. <laughs> there, there's Jason. <laughs> All righty. We've gone way off. So anyhow, uh, she <laughs> offers to help Burroughs kill Parker and start her own partnership um, uh, with him, not realizing uh, that Parker has already returned and is listening to the conversation. He has found the severed head of a grizzly and believes that Jerry is trying to trick them. Uh, how metal is it to behead a bear if you're trying to fight it? Like, fuck it. 
crazy. Uh, <laughs> Burroughs holds Jerry at gunpoint, but she flees when a noise distracts them, turning off the station's generator to plunge the soldiers into darkness. As the noise continues, Parker and Burroughs stumble across a room filled with bloody, fleshy cocoons suspended from the ceiling, which are re- is a really cool scene. Uh, they also find a young girl asking for their help to get home. She reveals herself to be a vampire and flees, just as Jerry returns and confronts Parker with the truth about her purple heart. It was received posthumously. Parker had mistakenly killed her and everyone else in her unit via an artillery strike. Having been undead ever since, she has been living among the vampires that infest the area, the cause of the missing children and the dead bear. And waiting, and she's been waiting for a chance to seek revenge against Parker for killing her, which is also really weird because she has to hope that this guy comes to Alaska yeah. to kill bears. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> really random that the guy who happened to cause yeah. a strike against her. It needs a prequel yeah. just with her laying all the groundwork for this <laughs> for years and years and years. Like, fuck yeah. I, I hope he gets here soon. She was like sending coupons for um, <laughs> for Alaska running. in the mail. <laughs> oh my god, that'd have been amazing. Like cold calling him. Like <laughs> yeah. your car's extended warranty's expired. Also, do you want to come kill some bears in Alaska? <laughs> That's like this. in um, the second. I know what you did last summer movie where they give him the trip to. Uh, Whatever it is, by like right. misquoting the capital of Brazil. <laughs> oh, God. oh, God. Okay, so uh, the vampires leave her alone because her blood is inedible because it's been poisoned by her heavy exposure to chemical weapons, which I thought mm. was kind of actually a really, really nice touch and a callback to uh, Desert Storm because um, for any younger people listening, uh, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of what, ha- what happened at Desert Storm was that a lot of soldiers came back with a lot of health issues due to their exposure to chemicals. Um, very, Actually, very, very sad. Also, off topic, sorry, Jason, but very sad how we handle veteran healthcare in this country too. Like we should really be helping people out. But that's true. I'll say I'll second that. My dad was a Vietnam veteran yeah. who was one of the Agent Orange. Oh wow, uh, which I'm is sorry. the same concept where he was, yeah. you know, he developed all these health problems like after Vietnam. It's- and you'll see these bumper stickers sometimes that say, "I was killed in Vietnam. I just haven't died yet." Oh wow! And uh, those those are in reference to the Agent Orange Ooh. exposure. So yeah, that shit's uh, our government does some nasty shit to our soldiers, man. Uh, that should give me goosebumps. That's that's deep. Yeah. Like, that's that's rough. I mean, yeah. and uh, my yeah. un- my uncle was a Vietnam vet, and you know, a lot of what what's funny is motorcycle motorcycle club started up after Vietnam because of all these soldiers who felt betrayed by their country by their government that wanted people yeah. like them just to be around and do something different. Um, because the whole era, I mean, we just we just don't treat our soldiers very well. Like we we, we want them to go uh, protect. You know, it's a whole other story. I don't support war. War is the worst thing ever, and nobody should there should no, be no war. But uh, I still support the people that su- signed that usually signed up because they wanted to go to college, but then got shipped somewhere where they had to put their lives in the lines. So I, I respect the people that had to do that. Uh, <clears throat> anyhow, <laughs> back to our fun little tales of the crypt episode. <laughs> in a panic, Burroughs shoots Parker, then abandons him to be eaten by the vampires as he flees to Jerry's cabin. Along the way, he gets his foot caught in one of his own bear traps. He plans to. <laughs> He plans to finish off Jerry, not like that, and the vampires once the sun comes up. A digital clock in the cabin reads 10.03 a.m., even though the sky is still dark. Just as Mona, now a vampire herself, ambushes him. Burrows impales her through the chest just as Jerry returns with the other vampires in tow. She casually explains that due to how far north they are, the sun will not rise for another two months. Jerry sicks the horror on the traitorous Burrows, watching in satisfaction as he's torn to pieces. Her death having been avenged, 
and the end. Do you Bravo. think by Bravo. chance this might have been a whoever wrote uh, 30 Days of Night may have seen this episode and been inspired by? I'm, I'm wondering. Well, either that or the original comic, yeah. but we, yeah, we can get yeah. into that. Um, Steve Niles, right? Yes, yeah, Steve Niles. That's his name. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I, I looked up the I looked up the uh, timeline of like when those comics came. I think they came out in the early 2000s. So it's, it's very yeah. possible. It's a great concept. I mean, like, you're just like saying, I want to write myself out of the corner of having to deal with eight hours of darkness every day, you know, versus all this sunlight. And I'm writing a vampire story. I would be like, where can I not have to deal with this sunrise problem? Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's terrifying, right? The, the idea of the fact that, like you said, at the very end, he's waiting for the sunlight because he knows sunlight kills vampires. And then to find out it's never going to come. Like, what a. Mm -hmm. What a like that it just sink like, it would just sink you. Like it'd be over. You'd, you'd be emotionally dead after that. Like swift kicking the balls. Exactly. Yeah, it's even worse in the comic, but we'll get into that too. Um I'll also mention the amazing wraparound with the Crypt Keeper on this, where he's um got his feet propped up on the beach. He's got a beautiful <laughs> yeah. woman next to him. I and, love if, if you have a, a foot fetish for the Crypt Keeper, this is definitely the episode you're gonna Dude. kind of that's rewind two, a lot. That's two weeks of feet in a row we got from the Crypt Keeper. That's true, yeah. Yeah. Like, His like, feet are adorable. They're like one of the cutest things I've ever seen, you know? The they're like when they're in frame, you know, just in the foreground. I just think the Crypt Keeper is just the coolest idea of all time because like it, when i was a kid i was terrified i was terrified of the crib keeper that opening i remember we used to watch the episodes when the coffin opened up i'd be like oh, fuck he's gonna pop out it's gonna scare me <laughs> maybe yeah. he won't pop out this time uh but uh when you watch the episodes he's just like this guy that likes to have fun he likes mm -hmm. to have a good time yeah. <laughs> he's a very yeah. gentle character like yeah. really honestly he's very cuddly yeah. Uh, when you go back and look at all this, yeah. Well, he gets a little bullied here. A guy kicks some sand on him, and he's like, eh. "Yeah, see, like, says I'll he doesn't even weigh ninety eight pounds." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> he makes, yeah, yeah, he makes the I'm like, "Wait, do we actually have a weight for the crib keeper?" Yeah, like, oh, but no. oh, you know, yeah. I, I love that <laughs> line. Though, for anyone who didn't watch it, because yeah, I'm not some ninety eight pound weakling. I don't even weigh ninety eight pounds. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. I'm like, I bet he doesn't probably weigh thirty pounds. That's the tops. <laughs> I mean, all right, we'll get we'll get to you, Mondo. Um, all right, Freddie, why don't you start us off? What do you think of this episode? Uh, this is not one of the better Tales from the Crypt episodes. However, it definitely has like some real silver linings. Even a bad Tales from the Crypt episode is a good episode of television, I think, especially '80s television. Because Michael Ironside, I could watch him do anything. Yeah. I think there's something about his, he brings intensity like crazy to everything he does. And it, play, it pays off sometimes as scary, sometimes as funny. Like it all depends on you insert Ironside. It's a wild card effect on the rest of whatever you're making, I think. <laughs> like if you watch like, was it Visiting Hours where he's the crazy misogynistic killer it's like Halloween too, where he stalks the the yep. radio lady at, yeah at the uh, hospital. Like he's so intense in that and scary, and then in this he's so over the top and comical, but he's doing the same performance. You know, it, Starship Troopers, mm -hmm. same performance. It's just, it's like you know the most like salts the most versatile spice or whatever. It's like Ironside. You, you put it in anything, it's going to be different though every well, that's time interesting. that's interesting because the, he was in the previous episode the sacrifice and we hated that episode with a passion which um, one is the sacrifice it's the one where he's like the insurance broker and they're trying to blackmail a guy but he's getting double crossed okay i, I don't remember that it's one very well two, i believe 
Yeah. Is that this? Do they have the psychic in that one? No. That's, no. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm thinking of a different. It's something episode, about then. like a prenup. Yeah. The other. Okay. It's not a very good episode. Um. And but yeah, this is. I think this is a much better one. But yeah, keep going. Uh, Susan Tyrell, who, if you're a John Waters fan, <laughs> you know, like she's in tons of John Waters stuff, but she's oh. those rotten teeth as that bartender Mona. I love that. I was a little iffy about them casting Vivian Wu as a as an Inuit when she's Chinese. Yeah. And it felt yeah. kind of like like maybe that was a little lazy. Oh, it's <laughs> especially because she has a very thick Chinese accent and it it reminds you every time she speaks that she's not from this area, you know? Yeah, it's kind of in, you know, from the 80s and 90s, basically, if you had a tan, you could play, they they put you in any (laughs) ethnic role and it's, you know, it's, uh, we joke out here in Vegas because we have a lot of population with a lot of uh, El Salvadorians. And um, we always joke that, like, if you have a, if you're, if you have a tan, you're just Mexican, everybody. Like, (laughs) no one will even even ask you where you're from. They just assume you're Mexican. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, casting that's like the that used to be the joke in casting like the guys who would say I play Italian but I also play Mexican and Asian yeah. like like I I always thought that was <laughs> and that was more it was kind of a joke but it was also the truth. Like if yeah. you watch 70s and 80s TV, you're going to see like generic ethnic casting all the time and this the, is guilty of that. So the vague, vaguely ethnic type. Yeah, and we yeah. joke about it, but it's good how far we've come to where people are now actually tr- actually trying to cast the right people for the right roles to make it somewhat accurate. Well, it's yeah, because totally Emma Stone different. can play everything. What's that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Emma, Emma Stone, Stone can, play, can play anything. <laughs> just plug her in there, just like C. Thomas Howell, the Soul Man. <laughs> um, the other thing I thought was really cool is that I didn't. I looked up that the little girl. She was the voice of Sally on some of the Charlie Brown. Uh, episodes, oh, that's cool. and I'm a huge Charlie Brown fan, so Me I too. thought that was cool. So, <laughs> also had a bit part in one of the Freddy's Nightmare episodes. Yeah, yeah, I saw that she was listed there too. I, I just think that's it's fun to think of those child actor resumes, how varied they can be. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's a big swing from Charlie Brown to Tales from the Crypt. <laughs> <laughs> but th- this is a fun episode. Nice, All right, Mondo. Yeah, not the best episode, but I liked it overall. Um, I, I like the idea. It was very bleak and the, the way it was shot with all the dark tones because it, it really gave you that sense of, of just darkness and kind of the overpowering darkness of the vampires coming in. I love the makeup of the vampires. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm always like kind of weird because it's funny because a lot of vampire movies, you'll have these vampires that look like they've never aged and they're beautiful people. And then somehow these ones that are like these cavernous. Oh, what we do in the shadows does that with peter how they're all yeah. like these normal looking people then peter is like the nosferatu vampire <laughs> i love that like a thousand you know, years old yeah I, i'm not yeah. i actually really love it i love that trope yeah. but I, I love it it's all these different or like how i like how they did in renfield actually uh no spoilers mm-hmm. but um how they dealt with his decomposition as a vampire uh but, but i really love that and i love that the 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 poachers in the end i everyone hates poachers poachers are just the worst like like really like you're gonna go kill an animal with a giant gun for sport fuck off I think we all get joy when we read a headline that's like "Lion eats poacher." We're like, "Yeah, oh yeah, 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 the guy yeah does, that guy deserved it." Like, fuck that guy. Um, <laughs> so, really come to like the and the feel good news this week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> poachers got their faces bitten off. <laughs> or there's a story about how a poacher killed a lion, and then like his wife killed the poacher and ate it. It's like, fuck yeah. Like, I mean, granted, the lion should never die in the first place, but you know, it happens. But, yeah. Uh, but I, I saw this episode as really kind of even with the vampires, it's kind of man versus nature. 
And uh, and even if you look at like the whole Desert Storm aspect of it too, with chemical weapons and infecting her, so her blood was inedible to vampires. It's still kind of man versus nature, and in this case, as it should be, uh, nature usually wins. Yeah, kind of like we're seeing with global warming right now. We're just gonna have a downer of an episode. We're just gonna go straight. <laughs> like, you know, you know nightmare. <laughs> them throwing that whole the whole Desert Storm bit in. Um, this episode for 26 minutes it sure does try to cram a lot of shit into 26 yeah. minutes yes I, I like they did not need that whole desert storm subs they could have come up with something that would just kept everything tightly well in there it I mean, felt like a lot of short it might have been time period just based on early 90s and desert storm was still fresh in everybody's minds well, and i, I wonder yeah. if they do that sometimes just to get people talking about it and, and this is a good question because jason's like best friends with Alcats, so uh <laughs> Well, we'll definitely ask him. Yeah. yeah, I definitely feel like they could have kept the Desert Storm, but not have the whole relation, like that he ordered the strike that killed her. That that seemed a little bit too far. Yes, I thought at yeah. first they were just going to bond over the fact they were both in Desert Storm. Yeah, which is fine. Which would make sense, right? Like it's, I'd imagine if I meet someone else that does jujitsu, we're immediately like, mm, okay, uh, we can talk <laughs> for thirty five seconds. Uh, but uh, so I immediately want us to have that connection but you're right when they went back to her being part of his platoon that got a little bit convoluted do you feel that's like a case of the writer not necessarily trusting the audience to allow for her to be like a man like you did this to me and that's not enough they're like it has to be blatantly him yes it I, has to be the same yeah. guy <laughs> probably I, I, I think so but i think there should have also been enough of a of him being an antagonist of just he already killed someone so we've already proven he's not a good guy right, yeah. so and he's coming here with the sole purpose of of poaching animals i think that was enough event of an antagonist arc to uh to just leave out yeah that. well and it's also interesting to... again speaking of how much they're cramming into this episode that there's like a lesbian relationship which again yeah. for, <laughs> for even uh, for the comic is definitely not something you'd ever see but in in h in on the hbo show it's something we've had very very little of if any but they didn't play it up for laughs or no, play it up for, it was just kind of a throwaway it was thing, just, which which i kind of like because it, it, it was it was for especially the early 90s it was just a, like a normalized thing they just happened to be lesbians they didn't you know go over the top with it it was just mm -hmm. uh, a p it wasn't i don't think it was necessary to the plot it was just there which i actually kind of like when they do stuff like that because especially in the 90s that's very progressive because uh, if you if you watch like early 90s stuff when they do have lesbian characters they go over the top with those characters to try to like oh look at us we're trying to talk to the this culture um whereas this one is like no it should it's a normal a normal thing that just happens in life i think i have an alternate theory it might have been written in just to provide that line that parker has later about uh he says i'm gonna it's gonna take a lot more than a lesbian vampire biker mm. horror to ruin my day <laughs> yeah I, I i hear what mondo said what mondo what you said is the progressive thing to do and to think of it I don't give the show that kind of credit at that time <laughs> on HBO to, to think that way. I think, yeah, it was just, I think it was just a throwaway thing. They put it into sexy it up a little bit. <laughs> they, the like the rotten think... teeth didn't help though. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 when you mentioned that, that, that line, that might've been the reason that line might've been the reason. Like someone had that line on the, on the mm -hmm. whiteboard and they're like, yeah. we're, we're fitting this fucking line in <laughs> all season. They keep tacking it up to every episode <laughs> of tales from the crypt for a season. They're like, it doesn't fit. It took him 13 episodes <laughs> for I mean, this season. I mean, half my job on this podcast is trying to bait Jason into saying some line that I've already figured out a week in advance that I want to make him embarrassed with. So, <laughs> you, you, your it's called a payoff. 
bear thing didn't work on me. Oh, I tried. I tried. But the, I, that was not premeditated, sir. I'll tell you that. Like, my premeditated <laughs> stuff usually lands. That's where I get the red face and the red. <laughs> if I can get the red scalp, that's my goal. Like, if I can make your there we go. turn red. Or, <laughs> or you can get me the walk, walk off camera. I'll get you walk up. Yeah, but that was an accident. And that was. <laughs> <laughs> that was Whitney. <laughs> Um, all right, I'll hop in. I, I like this episode, especially for this season. I think it was just a little bit is different enough since at this point in the series, it's everything's been so same samesies. Um, and also this gave me a little bit of the thing vibes. Yes, which was good call, which I, which I liked. Um, those cocoon things were amazing. Um, the, 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 they're so gooey and like it was almost like an alien egg, like the Zemo egg, but like hanging from the ceiling. Instead of hanging, yeah, from, still like, kind of had a back quality to it a little bit. Yeah, so I thought those were super fucking cool. Um, but yeah, we've already said most of the things. Um, Michael Ironside is always a good time, and this is where I like to run through the the uh, talent a little bit. This was directed by John Herzfeld. He did um, a movie called Two of a Kind, which starred John Travolta and Olivia Newton. Um, kind of after Greece, kind of trying to uh, hype up on that. And also another movie called Two Days in the Valley. Oh, yeah. Have you seen that? Yeah. He has a really cool acting resume. He was in Death Wish. He was in Cannibal. He was in Cobra. So he's kind of in those, like, you know, manly action movies. Um, Let's see. Parker is played by Bruce Payne, who was in The Howling Six, The the Freaks, Passenger 57, Warlock 3, The End of Innocence. He's only movies with numbers in the title. Exactly. (laughs) I, I like Warlock 3. I'm just going to put it out there. <laughs> Highlander Endgame and I think it was the 2000 or maybe 2001 of Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, the the, 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 uh, the bad one. Yeah. Is that the one with Jeremy um, Irons? I think so. The yeah. Same one? yeah. Jeremy then, Irons, I Vivian... think with the Waynes brothers or one of the Waynes brothers. Yeah. One of the yeah. Brothers. Uh, Vivian Wu, she was in The Last Emperor. She was also in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, the one with the time travel. And she was in the Joy Luck Club, and she's been in a ton and ton of things. Um, Susan Tyrell, she seems like a character. I would have loved to see more of her, find some interviews or something like that. She is great, man. She was in, she was the lead role of the mother in The Butcher, Baker, Nightmare Maker. Is like the that's a gross ass movie. I love that movie so much. <laughs> if you want to see it, you should go to her Wikipedia page. It's mm-hmm. a picture of her from uh, Camino Real, and it is the coolest picture. I'm just gonna say she looks cooler than any human has ever looked in this picture. Um, you seen the also... Forbidden Zone? Oh mm-hmm. y- yes, but probably not in over 20 years. Yeah, that's that's a nutso art. I guess art movie would be the way to describe it. Her and Hervé Villachez. <laughs> No, yeah, maybe it's, I haven't seen that. Maybe I haven't. It's fun. It's trash. It, it's like 60s psychedelic <laughs> stuff, you know. Yeah. You, you had me at trash, so <laughs> I'm in. She was in uh, Angel, the one with the, um, was it the Schoolgirl by Day, Streetwalker by Night movie. Um, she was in my personal favorite, Crybaby. And oh, yeah. I love Crybaby so much. She was also in Poison Ivy, the new seduction. Speaking of trashy series with many, many sequels. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I definitely remember renting that based on the cover alone, I'm just going to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, we all know Michael Ironstein's uh, uh, Ironside. Ironstein? Did you call a second? I wish my last name was that cool. <laughs> maybe, maybe, um, maybe, maybe he's in the Bears. Like, you can make this happen. Like, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> like, if you guys were a celebrity couple, though, you'd be Ironstein. Oh, there we go. All right. <laughs> 
uh, Starship Troopers, Total Recall, Top Gun, Scanners, most recently in Barry, but let's not forget he was in Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2, which is like the funnest title to say. Yeah. Also one of his more interesting roles, too. Yeah, it's a little more than his normal <laughs> stick. And by the way, have you guys seen Barry? Yes, I, I need love to, Barry. I need to sit down to start watching it. I yeah. Uh, uh, Freddie, are you caught up with the new season? Yeah, I just watched the latest episode today. Uh, I'm gonna, I was going to watch. I'm going to watch that probably after this podcast. But like the last episode. Oh, yeah, okay. No spoilers, but holy shit. Is it Barry is one of those series where you look at um, it makes you look at uh, Bill Hader in a whole different light. And mm-hmm. I mean that as a positive, like he's just proving just how great of an actor he is. It'll make you look at TV differently, too, because it's one of those shows where. Yes, it's like Atlanta. If you watch Atlanta, is very similar. Where you don't know from week to week what show you're really gonna get. That's you might a be getting point. a comedy. You might be getting an action movie. You might be getting a drama. You don't know until you start it. And this episode is so different than the last one. The whole series is like that. It's nuts. Like if you don't watch, if the other great, I think Barry and Atlanta are probably the two most ambitious shows on TV. Atlanta did a whole episode that was a fake documentary about the making of a goofy movie. Holy shit. Like the Disney movie. And that's, really? it was just, yeah, you tune in one day on Atlanta <laughs> and it's none of the characters or anything. It's a fake documentary about the mystery behind the disappearance of the guy who made a goofy movie. They make this whole fake Disney thing. It's, oh, it's insane. It's I, insane. I've never seen Atlanta, but you've just sold me on Atlanta. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so I never watched that. Atlanta's another show that genre bends. You'll go into horror sometimes out of left field and you're like, Whoa, and it's intensely horrific stuff. Like, and then it'll go back to being a comedy, and like it just keeps you off balance completely all the time. And I love that feeling. And not to keep getting us off the rails because Jason's giving me that look. Uh, But uh, (laughs) (laughs) he's giving that—that's a barrel look right there. (laughs) Do that again. (laughs) (laughs) Never do that again. (laughs) uh, (laughs) uh, Another show that did you guys watch Beef on Netflix yet? Oh, not yet. I haven't watched that yet, but I've seen it. It's a, seen it's, a, it's, good. it's A24. And when you first start watching, you're like, is this A24? By the end, you're like, holy shit, that's A24. And um, But the same thing, it goes to a lot of different places I didn't would never have expected. And no spoilers, obviously. Um, but a wonderful show that I think that like everyone, everyone should watch Beef. This is why great writers are important, the WGA yeah. stuff. Hopefully this works out for them. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's, it. Just reading about the WGA, they're talking about how they shut down production on the new season of Evil, and it cost them. It basically they someone was doing the math on a Twitter saying that the the money it costs the studio for the lost production time is would immediately cover all the demands of the WGA. Mm. <laughs> At least, well, temporarily, obviously. Like their their argument would be, we'll run out though. But in years, it's a good argument. Yeah, Yeah. it's a great argument. Like it really does. It illustrates how greedy people are on the top. It it really is. And it it sucks because if you guys watch Silicon Valley, um, the whole joke in Silicon Valley was getting to the three comma club. We have three commas, your net worth. And uh, the joke behind that was like, it's never about the money. The money at some point becomes a number, but they want three commas in their number just to, to say they're better than the next guy, which is really shitty because like, you know how it goes like those fucking we're we're, we're, right. we're we're with you guys, writers. We are with you guys. Like, yeah. like, 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 get your piece of the pie, man. You guys deserve it. All right, back to this episode. <laughs> the thing with vampires and Michael Ironside. That's how I sum it up. Um. All right, let's talk about the comic comparison. Jody sent me the comic. 
So it's it has a couple of the same concepts. There is a guy who's going to Alaska with his two buddies and they're looking for uranium. So they have like a Geiger counter, whatever you call it. And they're kind of flying their plane and um, they find an area that is highly irradiated. So they go to an Eskimo um, colony nearby. That's what they're calling it. Um, but they find a vampire coffin in the middle of the snow drift that's frozen over the Eskimo guide freaks out and runs away, but they find a cabin nearby to hold up um, because then one of the guys gets the idea that if he uh, opens the vampire coffin, he can kill his two other guys and he gets the full shares of the, of the uh, uranium mine. So he does that. He kills off the other two guys. Then he barricades himself inside the cabin waiting for the sun to come up only to realize that it's not coming up for another couple weeks. So he, there's nothing in the cabin. So he realizes his choices are die of starvation or die by vampire. Man, that's much better than the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, but that would be a five minute. If they did this way, it'd be like nine, like five to ten minute episodes. So they, yeah, they had to put some other stuff in there. And we got some Fill cool it out. effects. But it, yeah, it's got a very basic same concept of, oh, crap. I can't get away from this vampire because... Uh, they didn't they recite do you feel like they went back to this well in the comic in particular maybe like 10 times the the vampire town or or the just the general stranded at sundown setup which i'm not i'm not a critic of it i actually really like that setup but i do yeah, feel like i mean this was like the most prompt the best of those like in, that are coming to my coming to my mind um I mean, again, at this time, you don't really have as many like established monsters. So yeah, you're gonna have to you're gonna go to the vampire well, you know. Yeah, it's just like there's a very comforting familiarity to the way they handle a vampire story. Mm -hmm. It's like there is an EC kind of vibe about you know when you're reading an EC vampire that you're like, oh, this is a cycle thing. You they like to drop the hints. They like to hide the vampire for a reveal. Usually, I think. Mm -hmm. They rarely go in like you're dealing with vampires on the first panel. You don't usually find out until near the end with a lot of their stuff. And I, I love that. That's one of their sticks, you know? Yeah. And this is from haunt of fear. Number 26. I don't have the year in front of me, but it was a while ago. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's move on to our episode rating. We do zero to five, five being the best, zero being the worst. You can do half points. Freddie, you're a guest. You can start us off. What do you rate this episode? I'd say three for me. A solid three. All right, Mondo. Uh, the more we talked about it, kind of the more I liked it. So I'm going to go three and a half. Yeah, I'm going four. I don't know. This one just kind of hit me in some nice ways. I love a good snowy, like barren snow setting. Um, I love the thing, but I'm, I'm not like it's my favorite movie, but I, I love it. It's such a great movie. So this Again, thinking of the thing with vampires is just kind of warms warms my cockles. It, 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 the only way this would have been better is if it would have turned out that the dog was Vampire Zero. <laughs> or a yeah, dog was Vampire Zero. totally the thing. Yeah. yeah. You know, if you're a big fan of the thing, uh, there's an HBO series. I don't know if you've seen called. It's not The Rig. It's very similar to The Rig. Oh, my God. I've got to figure out what the hell this thing is called before the end of the show so I can tell you. But it's a murder mystery. It's very much, an, it's this 
uh, it's a kind of a nod to the thing, mm-hmm. but it's a serialized murder mystery. It ran nice. two seasons. Um, huh. It's called The Head. The Head. Oh, I've never seen it. It's very, if you like the style of the thing, it's an Arctic research outpost, but instead of it being, uh, you know, the monster movie, it's just kind of a murder mystery, but it follows the thing beats and they even watch the thing in the first episode. It's so great. That's awesome. Yeah, I definitely need to check that out too. All right, Mondo, hit us with your song of the day. Ooh, okay. So I picked a, a song. From, I, I, I don't think I've done this before. And if I have, then whatever, we're just gonna have two weeks that are the same because I haven't updated that spreadsheet forever. Uh, it's a band called uh, Witchery. Witchery started in the mid to late 90s. I think 97 was their first record. Uh, started by a, a couple of guys that were in, they have a history of bands like, uh, one of them was in At the Gates. Uh, the, the front, the head, the, the, the main songwriter and guitar player and singer was in The Haunted. If anyone's into Swedish, I guess, melodic uh, thrash slash death metal. Um, but they released a record in 2017 called I Am Legion, which is common when you hear that term used for like vampire. I mean, the term I Am Legion is from demon for demons in the Bible. Yeah. But uh, kind of common when it when it when it comes to, to vampire uh, mythos. And off that record, they have a really great song called Dry Bones, which is basically saying like, once we kill you humans, you'll just be bleached dry bones. And it has So it's not a cover of them bones, them bones, them dry bones. <laughs> it is not a cover of them of them bones. Which whenever someone says them bones, I can hear the riff in my head. Like it's impossible right. not to hear that riff. Yeah. <laughs> uh but but what reason I love this song is because in the middle of it they have just a great classic thrashy and, well, and they're kind of a death metal slash thrash metal band, I guess you can call them. Um, just I uh, just call them metal band, whatever. And uh, but they have a really cool just like breakdown in this that just makes you want to bang your head. And I challenge you to listen to the song and not want to bang your head to it. So uh, a, a great band going back to like I said '97 when they released their first record, and they're kind of considered like one of the early super groups before things were ever really super groups or before super groups were really a thing. But they release they kind of release a new record every two or three years, and I think they released another record nightside a couple years ago uh but this one's a good one so uh, the song is dry bones off the record i am legion by the band witchery nice i kept it kind of brief that time right wasn't yeah no (laughs) have you heard hate beak uh yes i know exactly who hate (laughs) beak is (laughs) that kills me i just found i learned about them the other day a friend uh, i'm in a music league where a friend put that in there and uh, it was like, this is a parrot vocalist. And I'm like, and I'm what? listening. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, holy shit, that is a parrot singing. So there's also a band that came out around the same time called, I think it's called K-Ninus. And um, basically, <laughs> yeah, the guy would give his pit bulls like a chew toy and record them going like, and now it's his death metal that. vocals. <laughs> oh my God, I wish I had thought of this shit, man. <laughs> you know, I always tell people and, you know, the common thing I hear from people that are like, how do you listen to that stuff? I can't understand them. And, and I think people forget this about a lot of vocals, but vocals should really be an extension of instrumentation. And yeah. I don't give a shit what well, I do care what they're saying if they're being like misogynists or racists. <laughs> right, not, right. Yeah. But no. but it's not really about the lyrics a lot of times, it's about like how the vocals just fit with the music. So if you want to give a dog a chew toy and have him get growls growl to your fucking metal, go for it. That's awesome. Yeah. That's creative. Do it. <laughs> Super creative. I love it. Awesome. Thank you, Mondo. 
Um, since Jody hasn't joined us, I'm looking up some poor news. Hmm? I, I got you. I got stuff. You got me. Okay, hit me. Um, I don't know if you talked about it last week, but uh, Renfield and The Pope's Exorcist and Dungeons and Dragons all hit streaming this week. Yes, I watched both Renfield and last ex- uh, Pope's Exorcist last weekend. So did I. Nice. How were they? I love heard- Renfield. I thought it was amazing. I, I can see some of the criticism, like some of the gang stuff kind of like dragged on a little bit or like just didn't seem to fit. But for a movie, it's only 90 minutes. It's fine. At no point was I bored. I had a great time with exactly. it. I laughed. I was surprised by how gory it was and how mm-hmm. violent it was. And also for my Parks and Recreation fans, John Ralphio as the head of a crime gang <laughs> is like, because all I could see him is as John Ralphio's like alternate life. All right. I love that. I love um, John Ralphio. What a great character. <laughs> Yo, dude, John Ralphio. One of my favorite bits is when he goes into a place to get hired and he sexually harasses someone. And then I go, sir, he goes, I know I'm fired. I'll leave. I'll leave the way I came out. <laughs> um, so how was the po- uh, Pope's exorcist? Did you guys both see that? As, <sighs> as an as an atheist, I love religious horror. I really yeah, do. It's just it, it just kind of hits the right spots. I will well, say it has this overall really good feeling of doom. I think Russell Crowe is fantastic in it, actually. And then you just have this really weird period towards the end where it's like just goofiness. It just turns into goofiness and then wraps around some really dark shit at the very end. But this period of goofiness, goofiness, I have to say, completely took me out of the movie. Oh, it wasn't yeah. good goofy. It wasn't good goofy, ah. no. Because I think that like they're trying to play this 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 movie so seriously, and they have this part that's just like, I, I, and and the bad part is, it's goofy, but the people that are filming it and putting it on video don't understand it's goofy, right? And that's well, what we're makes like, it, yeah. Where Renfield like is goofy the entire way, and it, it it it's firmly in that lane. This like almost goes there, but it's not supposed I mean, to. It, when it's not supposed to. Again, as a Jewish person, I love I love religious <laughs> sword too. Um, so I'm and it hits like every trope possible. Um, you can like it like checks off like every box and has this really bizarre conspiracy thing going on that like is so ridiculous that like you can't take seriously. But if someone ever did take it seriously, it's like hugely problematic. Seriously, I love love that part of the movie. I'm like, oh, this is ridiculous. That was a ridiculous thing that I loved when it's like, here it's it now. It's now it's fucking uh Brooklyn 99. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's. Do you all, when you meet somebody who really takes like these exorcism movies super seriously, are you usually like, mm. yeah? Oh, you mean my parents? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. yes, I'm very much like you guys are fucking stupid. That's why I'll talk to them. Um, but I thought Russell Crowe was like he felt like that youth group, that the, the youth pastor who's like trying to be relatable and funny in a really cringy way. Like, Does he flip a chair around? Acoustic guitar? <laughs> yeah, almost, just about. He's he's just like making jokes all the time. Like, no, it's, I, it's a really weird performance. I, I think I love that about him because he seemed like that old guy that's just so out of touch, and it, I think it seemed very believable. <laughs> yeah, I, that's I, a sale I, for me right there. What yeah, I would it's say, it's worth watching. Yeah, I, if, I'd watch it if you enjoy religious horror. I think it's a definite watch. I can't. I have a mixed, uh, mixed experience. Like I, I was a hardcore. Fan. I loved The Exorcist. I always thought that was a great too, movie. Yeah. But then I got to a point where I was so burnt out on exorcism movies, where I'm mm-hmm. like, how are they still making this movie? Yeah, it's it's better than like The Last Rite or like the sequel to Last Exorcism. It's better than those. No, yeah. no movie has ever been as good as The Exorcist in in that genre. 
I go through those cycles, man, where if I've been away from a subgenre long enough, then I remember what I loved about and, it. Uh, and yeah. I'm going to say minor spoiler, but probably not a spoiler, because every exorcism movie has a trope of if you find the demon's name, it'll yeah. take away its power. Oh, yeah. And I hate that fucking trope, because why know. wouldn't you just get a list of demon names and just start rattling them off? And so he goes like, ah! Like, ah! Get, like a demon like, phone book. Yeah. <laughs> Phil, Phil Jenkins. Ah! See, yeah, oh, shit, uh-huh. We got you. Got me. <laughs> I will say it does have, was it Ralph Enos? Enos? <laughs> Did you say Enos? No, Enos. <laughs> Ralph Ines. Ines. What was guy, you know the guy from The Witch, the father. Yes. Was like yes. Really oh, cool voice. Okay. Yeah. He voices the demon, which is fun, except a lot of the dialogue is really, really cliche. Yes. Yeah. A lot These of demons, demons are... aren't like well, it's... like they don't they don't go hard enough on the demon. Well, dialogue. it's kind of like once you've already done that demon dialogue with the exorcist, what do you do mm-hmm. after that? Everything yeah. else is going to sound uh, cliche compared to that uh, uh, that original, or movie. just like edgelordy yes that's yes, what yes. i liked about exorcist 3 was the gemini killer got yeah. like it had gave the that character something else to do besides say like things about the priest's mother and everything you yeah. know <laughs> well that's that's why you get um brad dorif i mean come on he can yeah read, he's so great he can read the phone book and scare the shit out of a demon <laughs> yeah absolutely jay's <laughs> appliance repair <laughs> jay's appliance repair <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, two two things I want to bring up. Uh, one is that the Meg Two trailer came out today. It did, and actually and they made kind of good. Two. I was really disappointed with the first one because I didn't feel like it went hard enough. Same. And this one looks like it starts off with dinosaurs. I'll just oh, say cool. Uh, I mean, I love the book. I remember yeah. reading the book and thinking like this guy is really trying to one up Jaws as hard as he can, mm-hmm. and, and the idea of the. Him coming out the the shark coming out of the water and eating the helicopter at that one point, and then when I that's all I wanted to see after I read the book when I heard they were making the movie I'm like I'm just like it's gotta jump out of the water and eat a helicopter. <laughs> um, and then in sad news, Bill I'm not sure if I can say this right Basso passed away. He's a effects artist from movies such as Tremors, Prairie to Jurassic oh. Park. So tribute to that guy. He did some amazing work. Well, I had a, a couple other not sad, sad notes. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Mike Flanagan signed on to do The Life of Chuck, which is a uh, adaptation of a Stephen King short story. And it's going to star Tom Hiddleston and Mark Ooh. Hamill. Ooh. Oh, cool. There. Isn't he doing uh, The Dark Tower, though? Or is he, like, on hold? I don't know. I don't That's know. That's the rumor, is that he's going to be doing that, yeah. I and- just started watching The Midnight Club. Uh, on Netflix, the Flanagan, the Christopher, is it Christopher Pike? I think. Yes. Uh, I think got so. co-writing credit. But uh, a friend of mine was, uh, was like, Oh, it's kids in hospice. Uh, and he's like, so mm-hmm. I couldn't really watch it. It was too depressing. I, I started watching the first episode for a show where a bunch of kids are in hospice. It's pretty upbeat. Yeah, I I watched. <laughs> see, I watched. Um, obviously, love Haunting of Hill House was uh phenomenal. Oh yeah, uh, I didn't watch Midnight Mass. Is great. I didn't watch Midnight Mass, and I watched the first episode of um, Midnight Club and really enjoyed it. And that's as far as I've gotten. There's just yeah, so much good. Te- there's so much good stuff to watch right now. It's really mm-hmm. hard to keep up with everything, but I really do. I really should watch it because Flanagan is pretty fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're a fan of Salem's Lot, Midnight Mass mm-hmm. is the closest thing I've seen to like an accurate Salem's Lot kind of movie almost. That's all well, in that, 
Sam Lazat remake should be coming out soon. They keep pushing it back. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of that book. Uh, Mondo, what else you got? Oh, just one last one. Um, another upcoming Norwegian Christmas horror film coming out this year called There's Something in the Barn. Ooh. It has been described as Gremlin meets Home Alone meets National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Hmm. Okay. So I just saw a tagline and said, I'm in. <laughs> that's yeah. If there's any truth to that. That's all I need. Well, that's I hope there's snoo- snooty neighbors like Julia Louis-Dreyfus and her boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and they get terrorized by uh, by the gremlin. Or I just see them watching their neighbors just get mutilated and being all judgmental <laughs> about it. Like, oh, he should have used the chain, not the rope. <laughs> why, why is the carpet all wet? <laughs> I always think of that line whenever I think, for some reason, on Christmas vacation, I always think of her. Why is the window broken, Todd? Why is the carpet all wet? <laughs> I feel like YouTube has kind of uh, gotten rid of the nosy neighbor because everyone's got something yeah. to do to be stimulated. You don't have to watch your neighbors anymore. That's true. That's right. You see more crazy stuff on YouTube of other neighbors like fighting each other physically over yeah. whatever bullshit. Yeah, I think my neighbors across the street have started getting the skateboarding. And they're all like in their forties oh, yeah. and shouldn't be skateboarding. Um, That's hey, YouTube gold right there. Well, dude, like, yeah. that's what I mean. like I've, I've been debating putting a security camera out front of my house, a, PT, uh, a PTZ, just so I can fucking see when one just inevitably breaks a limb on a skateboard. Yeah, and then you can send it to the ridiculousness. See, it makes it, and, and I don't, and I also don't like them, so it also helps too because they're annoying. <laughs> <laughs> one guy, I, I think I've ranted about this, has decided to pick up the drum kit. Uh, decided to play drums. Uh, yeah. So if you're a kid and you're playing drums and you suck, dude, fucking A, man. Like, I have no problem with that. Like, fucking play drums. Get better. When you're an adult and you have to play with your garage door open so the whole neighborhood can fucking hear you and you still can't fucking count to four, apparently, because you don't know what a goddamn <laughs> four, four beat is, you can go fuck off. <laughs> All right. At least, at least me, invest in some soundproofing. So, dude, yeah, let, me, let me ask this. It's been I've got four two months musicians. and he hasn't. It's been six months and he hasn't gotten any better. How do you not get better at something in six months? <laughs> All right. Since I have two musicians at my disposal, how about this? Are like the electric drums worth it? Like the, the yes. ones that you can like just plug in your headphones? Without question. They're yeah. so great. The newer ones are so insanely great. I wish I could afford. They have like combo acoustic electric ones. Yeah. There are like, it's like eight grand or something. Dude, some are crazy expensive. But, well, but no, I like, I see like uh, guitar sound that has like $300 kits because my son's are nice. Re- whenever I'm somewhere and my son sees his drum kit, he just wants to go big on it. So like, I want to encourage that. I'll send you a link to the one that um my, 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 my actually my, my drummer has that he uses to play around his house because it's like a $400 mm-hmm. set. It's a nice set. But I, I think one of the cool things about those electronic kits, especially for kids, is I think one of the the drawbacks if you're trying to learn how to how to play drums is everyone has to hear you suck, yeah. And, and especially for younger people, if they can play to themselves and don't have to worry about the criticism of somebody else telling them or not whatever, I think it's really helpful in them learning how to play and learning how to get good at uh, drums. That's the beauty of having an autistic child. They don't care if they <laughs> what else sure. thinks about their I playing. That's good. Yeah. Also, yeah, he's doing it for that's the purest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Like he's literally doing it just for themselves. Yeah. Which is like I, I'm a I recently returned to playing music after take retired like not doing it forever, <clears throat> and I'm finally at that point for the first time in my life where he's starting, <laughs> you know, where I'm like, oh, I don't have to follow the rules, fuck the rules. That's yeah, so I, I I have 
I know enough music theory to get by, but like my the guitarist I was playing in my band, Louis, um, he's a classically trained guitar player. And he loves playing with me because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. So I just come up with weird ass like chord combinations. He goes, That shouldn't work, but it works. So I'm like, Yeah, that's why it's fun. <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think deep down he's like, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> no there's like a you can train and train and train and train but there's like something about the the spark or whatever that some people have like an innate creativity i think that i've known guys that <clears throat> it's that solieri syndrome or whatever you know where they 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 know everything they can execute everything mathematically timing and everything perfectly but they have no soul whatsoever in it um uh, you know yeah, one of the best guitar players ever live is Ingve Malmsteen, and the guy can't write a song to save his life. The guy's a he fucking... he's not feeling it. Yeah. yeah, he's memorized it. Yeah, he's not he's feeling it. Technically, yeah. one of the best players ever, but the dude, in my opinion, can't write a goddamn song to save his life. He'd argue with that statement, but uh, he'd be wrong based on his album sales and how many people like him. He'd be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not All connecting. Right. Yeah. Let's move on to the Patreon pits. So we'll go through our weekly would you rather question. Um, our question was, would you rather be stranded in a barren desert or in an Arctic tundra? And by barren desert, I mean like the Sahara. Because people were arguing about that in the comments of whether the Arctic is a desert or yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right, right. Yeah, the very technical de- definition. Do, do I die of hypothermia or do I die of mm-hmm. thirst? Yes. I'm dying of hypothermia. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the same, man. I hear it's painless. Yeah, you just can go numb and just pass away. Comfortably numb, as they might say. Comfortably numb. There yeah. you go. <laughs> um, our Patreons, however, were split on this. 50-50. Some people said, um, I have to go with the cold. The sun is my enemy. And uh, Whitney also says she hates being cold. So I, I guess some people don't like being cold. No, no, I, I hate being cold. But I have to think of it in the context of I know I'm going to die in one of these situations. And I think I hate being thirsty more than I hate being cold. Same. Man, like, this is exactly how I feel, Mondo. Yes. <laughs> I like, the thing is, I like being cold. I'd be like, okay, I'm in my, I'm in my zone here. I was going to say, <laughs> you are thirsty too, Jason. So I was going to say, like, us bears. <laughs> if there, if there uh, are bears are there bear cubs too is that a thing so. cubs is a thing too yeah it's just a young bear <laughs> it's not it's not as elaborate as what you think i i'm like i i shouldn't speak on these i'm not gay myself so i feel like i'm not if i get anything wrong i apologize but i've many most like for some reason most of my close friends are gay I don't know. That's life worked out that way for some of us. All right. And then to uh, finish us off for the evening, we usually do dad advice. Uh, Freddie, you're a prolific podcaster. What is, what do you think is the secret sauce? Oh, consistency is the secret sauce for podcasting Mm -hmm. and also for lawn care. Yeah. (laughs) Lawn care podcasting uh, we, we you can also do some dog dad advice oh yeah give us some dog dad advice <laughs> uh, oh the dog dad advice i would say is uh tell your dogs you love them every day hug their necks uh always show them kindness but above all else let them be dogs let them be wild when they can be wild and eat food they're not really supposed to have sometimes <laughs> <laughs> no we uh, my wife was having a bowl of cereal 
and our dog like jumped up and started slurping it and now he's like <laughs> obsessed with milk i'm like this is my life and kids drink a lot of milk every time anyone uh-huh. has like a cop they like he like is all over them so, so my chihuahua loves beer and oh, this yeah. is my fault because back in the early 2000 like 2009 2010 when we started my buddy started a beer blog here in vegas for craft beer whenever i'd open a new beer i'd let her take a sip of it i didn't think anything of it until when i got home at the time i was working weird hours i was working for apple so i got home around midnight and my wife was already asleep and i sat in the couch and turned a movie on and cracked a beer and i hear dump dump down the stairs and she fucking woke up in the middle of the night because she heard a beer can open or a beer bottle open and i was like oh you have a problem that's funny like every these are the first dogs i've had that are not like that because i haven't given them beer i've never given them that because i don't never do it drink anymore Yeah, but they love it, man. Dogs, almost all of them. And, you know, we we nursed a sick dog back to health on beer once because uh, <laughs> she actually, she ate too much on Thanksgiving because everyone kept feeding her oh, and she no. made herself sick. And because uh, we didn't know, like, you know, the dog's playing everyone against each other. Yeah. So everybody's giving the dog food. But we used beer for like three days after that to get her back to where she would start eating again. Damn, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I also read dogs become alcoholics like really quickly. Surprise, really? surprise, they have very addictive personalities. <laughs> I'm glad I don't contribute to that anymore. No, I was pretty given sure. enough bad habits. I was pretty sure at one point she was an alcoholic. I was like, oh, I just can't give you a drink now for a long time. And to this day, if you open a beer and she notices, she'll sit there and just fucking like stare into your soul. And be like, you have to give me a drink. <laughs> She's also super food driven too, which doesn't help. But uh, it's a, uh, I don't know. I love dogs. Dogs are the best. Yeah, they're the best. They My are. dogs love popcorn. Oh yeah! Uh, oh yeah! That's a good. That. That's a good treat. There's, there's yeah. a there's a lot of good human foods you can give dogs and share with dogs. It's it's funny because like I don't know if you guys like this. When I'm eating some, a dog staring at me. Sometimes I'm like, oh shit, let me Google. Is this okay for dogs to have? <laughs> I do it all the time. Yeah. yeah, we keep that stuff up all the time, and I'll, I'll even feed them with a fork sometimes. Like oh, if, me too. If they're yeah, I'm just like here you go. I was with this. I don't need to eat off the fork. Uh, I'm not um, disgusted. If you did, I wouldn't judge you. Judge you because that's like your best friend. You love that thing. That's <laughs> true. But I've seen them eat some pretty horrific things. I, I've seen so. Uh, dogs love cat turds. I happen to have cats too. Cats are the worst. I wish I didn't have them, but I happen to have them. And uh, but the the, the one thing I see my dog eat a cat turd. I'm like, it's fucking disgusting. Why'd you do that? But then, like the other day, my cat vomited like a hairball. My dog ran to eat it, and I almost vomited. Ugh. I was like, yeah. but somehow that was more disgusting than eating a cat turtle. I'm like, you're gonna eat hair that the cat vomited up. But you gotta admit, it's like secretly convenient. <laughs> Both of those behaviors, where you're like, I haven't had to clean the litter box all week. No, uh, there are times like I'll like hear a rustle in the litter box because it's in the other room, and then I'll look and I'll see both my cats in the ottoman. And I'm like, God damn it, Abby! Because <laughs> my chihuahua was in the litter box, like just having a good time. Oh. We used to call our old dog, uh, her name was Lucy. We'd call her Scarface sometimes because she'd come into the, the, the living room when we had cats and her nose would be covered in cat litter, but it looked like she had been doing cocaine, you know, because it was all over her muzzle. And we're like, oh, Scarface is at it again, which meant eating cat turds. God damn it. I love yeah. I, lo- I I would <laughs> I, I, I always tell my dog Abby because she's the worst dog. She's the best. I love her to death. I would die for her. <laughs> but she, I would say, Abby, you're the most okay dog I've ever had. <laughs> she because she's so smart. She does all the bad shit in the world, like knocks over trash cans, all that stuff. I'm like, but I would still die for you. Like, I would literally die for you. 
But if I was dying on the floor, you would fucking eat the sandwich out of my hand before you tried to call for help. <laughs> See, that's the funny thing is I've got one right here who's been hanging out. Oh, hey, Elsa, look up here. Elsa, look. Oh, she's so uncooperative, oh. though, man. She's camera She's shy. the yellow lab. Buddy. She's camera shy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's, uh, she's been my companion in here since I came in here. Oh. She's a good dog. Uh, are there any podcasts about dogs, Jason? Can you, can you look this up? Can you do some research for us? You, you're an organized guy. Yeah, it's sure. gonna be. That's I gonna be all Google. anybody wants to listen to from now on, though. Right? Like just dog dog. We'll talk about dogs. <laughs> it's dog, gonna dog. be a dog podcast. Like I just want to get guests pod. on to show me their dog, and that's it. That's one. Just it's 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 a big it's a coup. It's a big it's, it's a big ruse for me to. It's not a coup. A coup be if I came to Pasadena and killed you and took over the podcast. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Which, I'm looking which, over my shoulder. Which, which now that I've said that, if Jason turns up dead tomorrow, I'm like, God damn it! Uh, but uh, <laughs> the maybe, perfect crime. Maybe a big ruse just to get people to show me their dogs. All right. Well, that wraps up another episode. Freddie, thank you for joining us. Where can people thank you, find sir. you? Thank you. Um, well, as a composer, if you just search Freddie Morris, it's Freddie with a Y. I'm on all the streaming services. I just re-released a. Um, I just became a full-time composer about a year ago. And That's I just awesome. Remastered. Thank you. And I, I just remastered uh, and re-released one of the early tracks I did called The Arrival of the Witch Queen. So if you if you stream that, um, like I said, anywhere you get music. And that's kind of like a score to like an imaginary movie because that was kind of how I was oh, it's kicking things like a, off then. Is this kind of like hi-fi? Yeah, very much. Like, yeah, exactly. Me and uh, me and Eric, uh, we kind of like we're a support system for That's each awesome. other's independent music stuff. Um, so it's very similar. My stuff is a little more like a little more wacky. Uh, less I like dancey. wacky. I like wacky. Yeah, it, like like check it out. It's a lot of like I use a lot of uh, I like to use sound effects and samples and like trying to create like a like a experience you know uh so like there's that but then there's night of the living podcast which is the big uh the big thing since 2006 in my life uh and whorehound radio is the other uh place to find me which is less frequent than night of the living podcast there's one of those episodes like twice a month on a good month and that's uh nathan hanneman and uh aaron kroll and jason cretton are also involved with that. They're the writers and publishers for how magazine. Okay. And we talk oh, yeah. about I love, I love kind of stuff. Magazine. Oh yeah. We, uh, I sometimes write for them too. Oh, uh, okay. have, yeah. So I have an article oh, wow. coming out, uh, soon. I did a, the horror hall of fame for demons. Ooh, Ooh. Uh, the Bob, Bob demons. Yeah. So, um, so what? yeah, I've had a lot of fun with those guys what? over the years. Where is there? A, I guess is there a reliable place to find that? Because the independent bookstore used to carry, it and they don't anymore. Oh, really? Uh, I think subscriptions really. The yeah. I get mine in the yeah. mail. Okay, I'm gonna have to just re up my subscription. So I, yeah, I like going to the independent store and just browsing and getting that. But yeah, like here in town, since, it's COVID, everywhere. But I think since COVID, they just haven't had it. Yeah, and it, they. I know they've. I think they may have changed printers somewhere in between mm. too. So it kind of you know distribution might have been affected by that but right. um i know borders used to be a, a surefire place if you have borders books no. and music anywhere near you um uh, Barnes and then Noble, I, I think has it from time to uh, it's been a while since i've been there i've seen it but i think they do mark it up a pretty good amount versus subscription which is cheaper okay yeah now subscription is the way to go 
Here's the question, though. I don't know if you can uh, divulge, but on your Demon um, Hall of Fame, is the Collector in there? Well, this is the movie Demon specifically. Oh, the okay. the the the, yes. the Bava Lamberto Bava's Demon. Oh, okay, from, I get it now. Yeah, one of my most I thought people? it was like over of all demons. One of my favorite no, but soundtracks. Like a, <laughs> that soundtrack is so fucking good for oh, that it's movie. Killer, God it's damn. killer. It's a big part of the article too. Like because. Like just, it's insane. Like who they got to be on the soundtrack. Yes, considering how weird the movie is to begin with. Mm-hmm. It's an Italian movie filmed in Germany mm-hmm. with a bunch of international rock acts on it on the soundtrack, and it's a movie within a movie. Before that was really a common thing. Yes. It was meta before meta, and it was gooey and gross. I love and that maybe movie. one of the best horror movies ever made. That and Demons Two, both. Wonderful. Dude, they're both, they're both uh, so good. Yeah. So good. There are others in the series, but mm. the official, I always think of the first two, but there are several others they made that kind of belong to the demons, but I always think of the first two. Yeah, but but the other ones, though, didn't have any Bava involvement, so. Or right, they're they? kind of a grab bag. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, was he a producer? The, the Ita- yeah, I was going to say the Italian film industry in like 60s through 90s was like one of the most incestuous. Okay. Like, there's so <laughs> many, like it if you're producer on one film, you're director on another, vice versa, you're a writer here. It's, it was like, it seemed like their community was a lot of almost like, I always got the impression they were doing stuff almost like apprenticeship type stuff where, Mm. Oh wow. You would, you would see like a back and forth, like a give and take of, they were learning every aspect of making movies. And then it just seemed like they swapped. But, um, a lot of this is just like word of mouth and stuff. I've overheard over the years about it. Makes total sense. Yeah. It's an interesting, interesting era and place for film. Okay. Well, thank you again. Next week, we will be reviewing. I don't know if I'm going to say this right. 99 and 4 100th percent pure horror. We appreciate everyone for listening. We really appreciate appreciate it. We would really appreciate it if you would give us a rating or review on iTunes. A rating on Spotify. Check out our Patreon for bonus content. And check out our YouTube channel for videos of these podcasts. And with that, we thank you for listening to Dads from the Crypt. Adios. <laughs> Follow Dads from the Crypt on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or I will follow you to the grave. <laughs> no, seriously, you really should watch. But be careful what you ask for. You may get it.